Welcome to Odd Bits and End Pieces, a podcast about nothing in particular, but focused on fun, music, and current events. And by current events, we mean anything that has ever happened anywhere at any time. Let's meet the Odd Bits and End Pieces players. Riley McNutt, John Paul Gamoki, Lee Johnson, Anita Ruth, Joan Griffith, sound engineer Jose Rodriguez, Wendy Lair, and Gary Briggle. Odd Bits and End Pieces would like to thank the City of Bloomington and Leah Hughes for allowing us the use of their facilities. Two bits. Uh, From the top of the number then, maestra. Let's hold, please. Let's hold. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Billy, that was lovely. Bill? Bill? Well, I know he has the acting ability of a fence post. Does he have the hearing of one, too? He goes by Etienne Saldeban. I don't think he responds to Bill. Well, he grew up in Minot, North Dakota. His name is Bill Crampy. Hello? Why did we stop? Your star singer is waiting. Uh, just a moment. Not too many moments, I hope. I can smell my creme brulee being flammed from here. <clears throat> Madame Director. <sighs> Monsieur Saldeban? That was very well sung. Merci. Wasn't it, though? I am rather magnifique, aren't I? Why does he sound French if he's from North Dakota? He studied a semester in Quebec. Pain in my ass. What was that? Project from the diaphragm, so the whole room can hear what you are saying. Uh, Sure. Yeah. Now, listen. Your sound is very large. Wouldn't it be wonderful if your character could fill the space as well? Of course. Should I sing out more? I think he sounds great. Absolute perfection. The key word is sounds. Um, I totally agree. I think the amount you are singing is wonderful. I was thinking more on the physical side of things. You mean I should flare my nostrils more? Bless you, Lee. Your stage manager has a cold? Get him out of here! Mi voce, you know. I cannot get sick. My audience is depending on me. No, 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 no. He's fine. Just had the tuna from Subway. Uh, Not a cold. Or COVID. How about more acting from you? I see. Yes, of course. I understand you perfectly. Watch while I transform your vision into the reality. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, Go ahead, maestra. La fleur que tu m'avais jetée Dont la prison n'est restée That's enough! Stop! Let's hold, please. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Yeah, just doing my job, ma'am. Is that everything you dreamed of? Yes, 
just delightful. We can break. Très bien. I can hear my opera kick calling me from my dressing room. Oh, no, 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 not quite. We're nearly there. Just a small matter about the acting. Oui. Could we try some? But I did. You saw me raise my hand like a claw clutching a skull. Uh, very graphic, yes. And I flared my nostrils like this. <sighs> then I flung my hand down and back like I was throwing the skull onto the rocks behind me. Yeah, very good, yes, uh, skulls. Um, plain as day. But you see, this is a love song, right? Not a lot of imaginary severed skulls lying around. Maybe put your hand on your heart. My heart. So a smaller claw, clutching a still beating heart. No, no, no. Like your heart is still in your chest. Put your hand gently on your chest to show that you are feeling. Feelings. I see. That is beautiful. How good. Wonderful. Then maybe look off into the distance, thinking about being with her, holding her and kissing her, the smell of her hair. Let the joy of this image shine through. Don't project it. Just be. So don't fling the out. Probably not. Then... How about a cross? You mean the sign of the cross? Like my love for the church? No, 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 not that. Definitely not that. Just try moving your legs. Like walking. While singing? How dare you? Well, it was just a thought. Obviously, we don't have to. I know this is the first opera you've directed, but walking? Walking? And at the same time, singing? Opera singers are not multitaskers. Do you even know how the opera works? This is what happens when you bring some common Emmy, Golden Globe, Oscar, and Tony-winning director into the world of opera. Films and plays are simple compared to the intricacies of the worlds of Mozart, Rossini, and Philip Glass. This I know. I am opera. Of course. Of course. Just thinking out loud. Obviously, we don't want to actually have our lead sing and walk. That would be ridiculous. Good. It is your first day. Allowances must be made. It is true. So, before I indulge my hunger on a wondrous chocolate bûche de Noël, you wanted me to grab my... What did you want me to do again? You know, I actually loved the claw and skull throwing thing. Let's stick with that. Très bien. Maestra, from the top. This is going to be our best yet. La fleur que tu Four bits.
The musical selection for this episode of Odd Bits and End Pieces is the beautiful Russian waltz, Expectation, composed by Harold Kittler. The only thing known about the author is that he served as the conductor of the 6th Tavrishevsky Grenadier Regiment in the year 1914. The song has appeared in several Russian films and also can be heard on many Klezmer band recordings. The performers are Joan Griffith on mandolin and Anita Ruth on piano and accordion. Six bits. Game show.
Welcome to the Odd Bits and End Pieces Game Show, where the only rules that matter are the ones I make up. Today's contestants are Gary Briggle, Wendy Lair, and Anita Ruth. How is everybody today? Well, very, very good. Fine. Very nice. Oh, my goodness, you're vocal. Okay, here's the first question Who sells the most trucks in America? Yes, Wendy. Chevy. No, I'm sorry. Ford. Anita. Ford is correct. Oh, I was good try. Say no, that Ford. was good. You're right there. It was really close. <laughs> I appreciate the energy. All right, so Anita has one point. Question two Who wrote the most operas? Yes, Wendy. Puccini. No. Oh, shit. <laughs> yes, Anita. Mozart. No, not Mozart. Yes, Gary. Verdi. No, the answer was Handel. And he wrote 44 operas. 44. Okay, no points there. What is the longest running musical in Broadway history? Anita. The Fantastics. No, Broadway. Yes, Gary. Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera is correct. We have a point for Gary, a point for Anita. Hey, 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 hey. You know, the Fantastics was on Broadway. Yes, it was. At the end. Yes, it was you know, at so the end. So you can consider, you can consider. No, it, no, me. because I write the questions and I will give the points to who <laughs> yeah, I think deserves them. Your friend George Lee was in it. My friend George Lee has, yes. Anyway, question number four. What is Dr. Seuss's real name? Wendy. Theodore Geisel. That is correct. Everybody has a point. We have two questions yet. This is a tough question, so good luck. What is famous actor John Gamoki's middle name? Yes, Wendy. Paul. Paul is correct. Wendy has two points. Uh, all right, here we go. One last question. Wendy's in the lead. Good luck, everyone. What was the name of Ralph Cramden's buddy on the Honeymooners? Yes. Ed Norton. Ed Norton is correct. So we have Gary with two, Wendy with two, Anita with one. So we're going to go to sudden death with Gary and Wendy. Here's your sudden death question. What were the names of the five Marx brothers? Yes, Wendy. Groucho, Harpo, Chico, Zappo, and Gummo. Yes, that is correct. Wendy Lair is the winner of our... Yay! Everyone applauds. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Eight bits. Well, look who's scampering out in the rain. Holy cow! A leprechaun! Oh, and so it is. Are you thinking today may be your lucky day? Hell yes! You don't see a leprechaun every day. And you don't see an aardvark either. So why would you be out here wandering in the rain? Well, it wasn't raining when I left. I was walking to clear my head. Well, what's troubling you, laddie? The name's Shane. And I'd be lucky. So, you were saying? If you don't mind my asking lucky... What are you smoking in that long pipe of yours? Oh, I don't mind you asking at all, Shane, my boy. It's a little clover, a little sage, and some magic dust, just for the kick. Is it a good kick? Oh, let's just say, if you had a talk on me pipe right now, you'd be on your arse for three days. You'd wake up and wouldn't remember any of this. Sounds like the stuff I used to smoke in college. Oh. I assure you, small-minded one, 
Your stuff in college never left you with dreams of unicorns and trolls. That it did not. Now, back to your troubles, Shane. Oh, yeah. It's a money thing. I just lost my job through no fault of my own. And I got three kids and a wife to worry about. I'm not dealing well with the stress. Oh, stress is only good at an Irish wedding. Do you know the difference between an Irish wedding and an Irish funeral? One less drunk. (laughs) Oh, take me advice, Shane. Stay the course. Look for a new job and a better one will land in your lap. But in the meantime, how do I live? How do I make my mortgage and car payments and the kids' private school tuition? Well, look for a rainbow. Follow it to the end and you'll find your pot of gold. Hey, it stopped raining. And looky, looky, a rainbow seems to have appeared behind the tree you're sitting in front of right now. Yes, thank God it's obvious, lad. There lies my pot of gold. You need only to step around me and claim the pot of gold as your own. Then you'll never have any monetary worries the rest of your life. You're not going to try and stop me from taking your gold? Oh, that would be foolhardy. Shane, my oversized ogre. (laughs) You're twice my size, and I value my life more than the pot of gold behind the tree. Thank you, Lucky. You're a charm. (laughs) Is there any way I could ever thank you for your kindness and generosity? Oh, no, Shane, me boy. Knowing you'll be happy will keep me smiling for centuries to come. Well, then, I guess it's time to claim my future. Uh, before you do, laddie, let's share a talk of friendship from me pipe to celebrate your good fortune. A talk it is to friendship. <sighs> to friendship. Okay, I guess I'll just take a little nap before I collect one. (laughs) That's right, Shane. Lie in the clover. It makes a fine bed. Well, time to collect my things and be off. Maybe I should leave a coin or two in Shane's pocket to help the poor lad and his family. But why... He won't remember a thing about me. Just the unicorns and trolls dancing in his head. Yeah. We might as well see if Shane has anything worthwhile in his pockets for a well-deserving leprechaun. Well, lo and behold, a gold watch. The inscription says it's from his da. How sweet. This will make a fine addition to me pot of gold. <laughs> so welcome everyone. This is Joan Griffith. I'm your Odd Bits and End Pieces interviewer. And my guests today are Gary Briggle and Wendy Lair. And uh, welcome, you guys. It's so nice to see you. It's oh, nice Joan, to see it's you. wonderful to be with you. Oh, it's also wonderful uh, that you're going to sing a song for us. So what is, is the song of the day? It Couldn't Please Me More, which um, was the, is the title of it, not to give away the fact that it's about a gift of a pineapple. 
But you can look it up as the pineapple song on Google. <laughs> From Cabaret. From Cabaret. All right. If you brought me diamonds, if you brought me pearls, if you brought me roses like some other gents might bring to other girls, it couldn't please me more than the gift I see. A pineapple for me. If in your emotion you began to sway, went to get some air or grabbed a chair to keep from fainting dead away it couldn't please me more than to see you clean to the pineapple I breathe ah, I can hear Hawaiian breezes Even so, how am I to thank you? Kindly let it pass. Would you like a slice? That might be nice, but frankly, it would give me gas. And we shall leave it here, not to eat, but see. That was fantastic. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> well, it's been a while for many things, but um, so I don't think that's the first song people remember when they think of Cabaret. No, it, it of course, didn't make it into the movie except as underscoring on a radio, I think. Um, but it's from that wonderful subplot in the original Broadway show between Herr Schultz and Fräulein Schneider. Right, and why'd you guys decide to sing this one? Well, we've done the roles at Seaside Music Theater and had a wonderful time doing it. And Gary is a wonderful trained singer, as you can tell. And I do Lottie Lenya impersonations. <laughs> and very well, if you ask me. Um, so I, I know you both for a long time, or have known you both for a long time, and um, have admired your work from the pit and various other places. And for the people who are listening and may not know, um, uh, Gary, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience, and I'll ask you about, Wendy, to what you've been doing, which, you know, a career-wise overview oh, for a second. Well, thank you, John. Well, in a nutshell, um, I had a surprising career um, singing opera initially with the Minnesota Opera Company, um, but always wanting to work in musical theater of any kind, and as well as, you know, straight theater, too particularly classics. So I've had one foot 
in opera and one foot in everything else and have traveled the country singing, acting, and directing in uh, all the classic forms of theater. I know. I keep seeing you in varieties of venues and do- doing different things. So, And Wendy, same for you. What do you. Just give us a little sampling of what you've been up to. Well, I've been very fortunate to be hired as an actress for over 50 years. But uh, as an actress... Um, It's great if you're part of a company, but if you aren't part of a company, you sort of have to increase your talent. So I've also directed, done a lot of teaching, and um, not too long ago, although I think now it's 15 years ago, helped to found a performing arts school. And what school is that? That's SPCPA, St. Paul Conservatory for Performing Artists. It's a charter school in St. Paul. Nice. Now... Uh, the other thing that people may not know, uh, just if they're just tuning in, is that you guys are a couple and have been together a quite a long time. I think as long as I've known you. Um, does that what kind? Of, I'm sure people would want to know if that presents challenges or opportunities. You know, two freelance folks in the same household trying to make their way in a the theater is, you know, a task. I would think. Well, the challenges. <clears throat> I know for a while, Gary's. Uh, jobs led him out of town, and that's always difficult. But uh, we get along pretty well, and we love to be in the same show together. Yeah, Wendy has always been very supportive of the demands of my career, which meant living out of a suitcase for 30-some years. Um, But we did look for every opportunity to work together, including in Arizona and here in town, wherever we could, Florida. And typically, um, I worked hard to bring her wherever I was and drag her kicking and screaming, in a way, into musical theater, where it turns out she has wonderful talents to bring. <laughs> so true. So what, what show have you been in recently together, or the most recent one, you think? Glenn Sheen. Oh, it's Glenn the Sheen. musical <laughs> of um, the murders around the Glenn Sheen mansion, the Congdon murders, And uh, we play any number of parts in this. But it's kind of a phenomenon and a little engine that could, because I think the first iteration was 2016. And uh, we've done it every year, excluding the pandemic year, at least once. And hopefully, if the protocols get ironed out for the COVID, we will be going on tour this summer. We'll be playing in Duluth and... Alexandria and Grand Rapids and Red Wing. We're hitting the heights. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wendy, what roles did you play in Glenshine? I play both victims, for starters. <laughs> so I play um, Elizabeth Congdon and I play the uh, nurse, Velma Pietala, who tragically, of course, I, were both killed. And I also play the um, uh, defending a defense attorney for... Uh, uh, Marjorie Congdon, um, who is... Beshmesher. Yes, Beshmesher. We can't actually say who it is, just in case. <laughs> but everybody knows who we're talking about. I suppose. And also little tiny vignettes of Tourist Number 3 and Agatha Christie. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> and Gary, what, what was your role in this? Well, my favorite role is the poodle. <laughs> who barked when he heard somebody (laughs) breaking into the house. Um, And I play the minister and the prosecuting attorney and cops. And, you know, I think I play seven different roles, and that's typical of the show. 
Oh, fantastic. So I do have to ask this, and, and Wendy, I, I, um, I remember you where, really well um, in Cinderella off and on at the Children's Theater, and can you still do all those, those pratfalls and splits and on-your-head stuff that you did in there? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't tried in 40 years. <laughs> Because it was always so ma amazing, your your gift for physical comedy was really Well, I wonderful. still do physical comedy, but it isn't uh, extreme physical comedy, like extreme sports. But um, Gary and I, during the pandemic, have <clears throat> had joint replacements, so we are much more agile now than we were uh, a year and a half ago. Well, there you go, keeping your hand into the biz, right? <laughs> and my knees and his hip. Yeah, oh, funny. And Gary, I have to ask you, I've heard you sing in a lot of variety of, of uh, shows. And do you have a favorite role that you got to sing or one that you wished you had gotten to sing and you never have, one of those kinds of songs? Well, you probably know this, Joan. I'm a real lover of Sondheim and Kurt Weill and Mozart. Um, so my favorite show to be in is Three Penny Opera by Brecht and Weill. Oh my the role that I wish I'd gotten to do is Georges Seurat in Sunday in the Park with George, oh. um, for every reason. But I'm very grateful for the extraordinary opportunities I've had. Well, maybe you could come back and sing one of those songs <laughs> in another episode. And I'll finish the hat one day. <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much for coming in. Um, for me, it's wonderful to see you. I haven't seen you in many months. And as always, you're just uh, such beacons of, of professionalism and joy <laughs> and uh, inspiration to everyone. So thank you so much. Well, thank, thank you, you. John. These are men with science on the brain. Facts on things like how to make it rain Everyone loves to learn with glee He's constantly, Lee. fastidiously, Lee. authentically, Lee. enormously, Lee. helpfully, Lee. soulfully Lee. He's our man of fact, scientifically Welcome back to another volume of Scientific Lee Speaking, where we do quick little dives into a variety of topics surrounding nature, space, and science. You won't find too many jokes here, as the following humor is derived from just how fun time and space around us can be. This week, we're returning to our old friend, Pluto, the most famous and hotly contested dwarf planet of them all. Now, as we know from our last volume, that for a celestial body to be classified as a planet, there is no measurable requirement. Radius, volume, density, surface area, composition, none of these really matter. Reminder that mass does matter insofar as there has to be enough of it to make a round shape under its own gravity, but otherwise planets are equal opportunity whether you have a big mass or a small mass. With that all said, Pluto is small, like real small. Pluto's surface area is estimated to be within 600,000 square kilometers of Russia's surface area. If you look on a map, Russia is actually wider than Pluto. Now heading back up into space, Pluto is smaller than seven moons in our solar system. Jupiter's four Galilean moons, Saturn's largest moon Titan, Earth's very own moon, and Neptune's largest moon Triton are all bigger than Pluto. And for some additional perspective, both Jupiter's Ganymede and Saturn's Titan are even larger than Mercury, which happens to be the smallest planet in our solar system. Despite its size, Pluto still has five moons of its own. Charon, Styx, Nix, Kerberos, and Hydra round out the Plutonian system, with Charon being the largest of the bunch. 
Now, here's the real cool thing about Charon. It has roughly half the diameter of Pluto and around one-eighth of its mass. It is, relative to its parent, very large. So large, in fact, that the Berry Center of the Plutonian system lies outside of Pluto itself. The, now, the Berry Center of a system is the center of gravity, the point around which bodies orbit. Charon is massive enough that it has pulled the Berry Center an estimated 600 kilometers out into space above Pluto. So Pluto and Charon are effectively orbiting each other. This phenomenon, depending on who you ask and what mood you catch them in, is known as a double planet, or, more commonly, a binary system. Now, Jedi Master Yoda and the whole plot of The Lord of the Rings got it right. Size doesn't matter. Yeah, Saturn has cool rings, and Jupiter has a storm that's larger than all the terrestrial planets combined. But Pluto is tiny, and it's out here doing some real neat stuff that we don't ever talk about. That's all for this week, Scientifically Speaking. If you want to learn more or disagreed with anything posed here, I invite you to look it up. He's a man of fact, scientifically. Thank you for listening to the podcast, Odd Bits and End Pieces. You are my sunshine, my Sunshine, my